And a pleasant good evening, Mets fans, and welcome back to the Pleasant Good Evening Podcast, episode 77, our second episode since the regular season kicked off. And things things are better, a little bit better this week. Things are, are vibing here in Mets land, a four and two week and a seven and three start to the season. Mets took a series out in Philadelphia, two of three from the Phillies this week and two of three from the Diamondbacks at home in the first City Field Series of the year. Sam Levowitz, Jack Hendon, taking you through this week in Mets baseball. Uh, Jack, episode 77, you're a change of scenery today for you. You're not you're not in the city right now. How how are you doing? I'm doing well. Just, you know, traveling where the family's traveling as we make some renovations and waiting to move out. Uh, you know, I'm in my own way, kind of waiting for my, my season, you know, the same way we wait for the Mets season. I'm waiting for me time, but. Uh, Absolutely. I, I feel you that it, the, the season's underway, but you and I are both, um, kind of in this transition period in our lives. I'm graduating college in, in a less than a month, really. Yeah. Uh, and you're just finished your thesis and you're getting ready to move out on your own. And, I feel you too. I've been getting the itch to get back behind a microphone and call some baseball games. I've got my Cape League summer uh, internship coming up after I graduate. Um, I don't know. Uh, definitely in a in a kind of itching to get around baseball again, uh, yeah. especially having watched a whole lot of baseball this past week and a half or so. Yeah, it's been a good distraction. They've been playing well. I think like, I mean, it is kind of nice when like, just looking at what happened Saturday when they lose a game and you're kind of like, all right, well now they finally lost a game because like they just didn't play well enough. You know, we got our first real loss of the year after two kind of, you know, losses that shouldn't have been losses. I mean, just to get that under your feet also, it just, it's nice to feel all the things about baseball coming back to you. I was telling everyone on Saturday when, um, when Lugo gave up the bomb to, Sergio Alcantara like this is exactly what Mets baseball is they will lose they will come back and lose this game by one run and then they did come back and lose by one run it's like now we're now we're moving so some things are moving again uh so that's 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 nice at least I mean yeah you were a bit of a skunk for that one Uh, no I was right I mean you were completely right and I agreed with you this was in our in a in a dm that were in a group chat on twitter yeah. and jack was like in like the seventh inning after they got down three nothing he was like you guys know they're gonna win this lose this game three to two right they and, are and, and they fully did because they do that every single time um that they can't hit and then they fall behind and then they yeah. they have a late rally mm-hmm. i thought they would get a couple guys on in the ninth and lose anyways um it didn't happen that as as a as that as it happens, excuse me, because yes. Mark Melanson shut him down. But yeah, to your point, that, that was the first real loss of the year. And even that felt fairly avoidable. They were hitting balls kind of hard all day, but n- nothing was uh, landing for them. Pete hit a ball that apparently, I, I wasn't watching the game when he hit this, but in the middle innings, hit a ball to the moon that people thought was going to leave and it, it got knocked down by the wind. Yeah. It was an unlucky day. It was an unlucky day for the hitters. Starling Marte uh, did hit a long two run homer. He's got homers. Uh, he had homers in the first two games of this Diamondback series, um, which is good to see him start to hit some baseballs hard because we'll get into the offense as a, as a whole, as we will also get into the pitching because there's two uh, fairly different conversations about both. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was good to see Marte start punishing some pitches because it felt like he was fouling back a lot of pitches to hit during, during that first road trip. Um, and he, 
kind of just went ham against Diamondbacks pitching this week, this weekend, which was nice to see. But hey, best record in baseball to start the year through 10 games or seven and three. Buckball seems to be pretty popular among the fan base yeah. uh, and among the broadcasters and among anyone who has a platform to talk about this team. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I mean, there's there's lots of ways to go here. Uh, but I think generally our, our first impressions for the first 10 games is a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, we're keeping both camps happy, right? I think the people that really like tend to um, emphasize and accentuate uh, the role that a manager has, uh, those people have been, I think, very satisfied with what they've seen so far. Uh, a lot of plays uh, being run that you don't really uh, attribute to past management, uh, either in the person of Luis Rojas or Mickey Calloway, things that like, I don't really know if they fall on the manager, but if people want to believe it, they'll believe, you know, it's fine. The team's winning. So, um, even as someone who is trying to temper my expectations of Buck Showalter, I think that it's probably for the better anyway, that they're doing as well as they are. Uh, the pitching is especially been encouraging. I think that whether we want to talk about um, you know, if Eric Chavez is the guy, if Buck Showalter is the guy, even if Jeremy Hefner is the guy, so to speak, I think each of these pitchers to this point has shown that they can be a guy in this, in this, uh, in this machine between, uh, between Bassett, who's, who's been very impressive, especially in getting through six innings twice. Um, Carlos Carrasco is really, really, uh, come into his own the last two starts uh he finally had one where he got out of the first inning and it was a good first inning too no one even got on base um Tyler McGill continues to impress he was very very sharp in Philadelphia uh even Peterson as like that last chain in the in the you know in the link it it seems to or link in the chain it seems to be working yeah Um, so that's that really for me is I mean, right now their collective earned run average amongst the starters is 1.07, which is, according to our friend Mike Meyer, the best uh, 10, st- 10 start beginning to a season by a team's rotation since the earned run was first um, coined as a statistic 100 years ago. So yeah. that's, that's in 1913. I mean, that's this is like a historically good stretch to start the season for a starting rotation. It's remarkable. Uh, first of all, what they're doing, they're just not giving up runs. Um, I understand the Diamondbacks and Nationals are not really offensive powerhouses. Right. Uh, the Phillies can score some runs. And even in, even in that series, they really weren't touching our starting pitching. Uh, you're right. Bassett has looked fantastic. Carlos Carrasco Saturday, it, it turned out to be a loss for the team, but it might have been Carlos Carrasco's best start yeah, as a Mets. So they got to get him a win at this. They point. Got, yeah, they got to get him a win. But they've squandered two good starts. Yeah, he had the whole the whole pitch mix was working. He was striking guys out. Uh, he was striking a lot of guys out yeah. um, in that outing. And even Peterson looked great today. Yeah, even Peterson looked really strong. Fastball was up to 95, 96. He didn't maintain it super well throughout the entirety of the start. Slider was working great. He had some great sequences to both right-handed and left-handed batters. The command wasn't too bad considering how bad it can be sometimes his fastball command i think that he might be able to to work a couple of strong starts and for this mets team as uh, taiwan walker continues to work back they say that you know because taiwan is is probably the least stretched out guy um in the starting core even before getting hurt 
they say he's going to need at least one rehab start before he can come back. They also said they don't expect him to be out too, too much long. Uh, the starting rotation is fantastic. Uh, it's ironic too that Scherzer has probably been the least, the le- yeah, the least of crisp. the five that we've seen. Scherzer has been by far the least crisp of all the guys who have made now two starts. Uh, he didn't look particularly great in Washington. He didn't look particularly great in DC, but he still put up decent starts, quality starts. I'm not. I'd have to double check and see if they were quality starts in statistical form, but uh, kept his team in games and they won both those games. You just pulled a Harper, by the way. Just you said uh, you said he didn't look particularly good in Washington, and then mistook, mistook Philly for DC. He didn't look good in DC, but no, he, no, I agree. I think oh. Philadelphia was like probably a little bit more encouraging, just because he got off to that that shaky start that he got off to in Washington. But uh, you sort of got to see that that sort of that layer of Max Scherzer, the pitcher who works out of jams really well. Yeah. Um, because he was really, I think, once he got out of that first inning, he started cooking a little, and it was really um, exciting to see. I'm still waiting for that fastball to emerge as a swing and miss pitch. Uh, but the other ones were moving really well, uh, and it seems to be a, an issue that uh, – a few pitchers are having at least in terms of swings and misses on fastballs. I don't know what that, that is across the league, but um, hopefully it, it corrects itself. Cause Scherzer, when he's getting, you know, when he's blowing it past hitters, it's um, it's probably one of the best sites in the game. Um, but no, I, I think he's, I'm not worried about him in the slightest. It was more, it was mostly just an observation uh, and a testament to how good the other four dudes have been. Um and they're they're like spreading the information. I think that the fact that you have this really kind of veteran pitching staff has been yeah. beneficial, especially beneficial to guys like McGill and Peterson who are a little younger. Uh, I, obviously, we all saw that uh, screen grab from the game a few days ago where Chris yeah. Bassett was going over. Um, Chris Bassett and Carlos Carrasco were there going over stuff with Tyler McGill on the iPads. Um, this, it's like an entire staff of pitching coaches. They're all really phones. Yeah. iPad kids. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) They're all really smart pitchers too. like Bassett. Obviously the, the, we've been raving around about him as, as they have, as they've been on the broadcast too, is that he obviously, you know, he never was a plus stuff guy and, and got, you know, hit around a little bit in his first couple ventures in the majors and then figured out his niche uh, and has turned himself into a really valuable piece uh, in doing so, that comes out to make him a really good, smart pitcher uh, and a guy who can give that information to the other younger guys in the staff. Carlos Carrasco is in the same kind of boat where he's in his mid-30s now and is giving back to some of these pitchers. And Scherzer's obviously brilliant uh, as a pitcher. is one of the smartest guys in the sport, uh, most cerebral pitchers in baseball. Yeah. And I think that that's super beneficial to McGill and it's, it's, and Peterson. And it's also super beneficial to a team that is without their ACE right now. Um, Having basically three or four extra pitching coaches um, in your, in your dugout at any given time, uh, I think has really made quite a difference to this team. Uh, And it speaks to that earned run average of 1.07 through 10 starts. Right. And I think that it's probably, we are definitely going to see some regression just because 1.07 is, I mean, unless you are a singular pitcher named Jacob deGrom, uh, 
or Bob Gibson, I guess. Like that's that it's not really sustainable. But yeah, I mean, De- Degrom was pretty much at at this exact figure through yes. ten starts last year. So yeah, yeah, um, I would think really that once we get once we sort of like gravitate closer to like the two and the mid twos and probably the threes. Um, my hope is that it's at least coming in correlation with, or not correlate, but it's, it's sort of coming in, um, tandem with innings going up, because I think really the only thing that I, the only qualms I have about this rotation right now is that they haven't really, nobody's gone. No one's made it to the seventh inning yet. Um, no one's pitched in the seventh inning. I think really, as you alluded to with Walker, Sam, there's a, there's a working up and a stretching out taking place because of how, um, how short spring training was. I'm sure this is part of the process. Um, but I think really when we see what happens uh, when you put enough faith in this bullpen, which has its, has its you know, bright spots, obviously, um, but still also has its issues, you probably are going to need starters to give you a little bit more length so that no one is getting too tired so that you you're never really shot for availability with with those back end pitchers. Yeah, especially as we move towards the end of April here, still a couple of weeks left before you have to shrink those rosters down to two roster yeah. sizes um, from 28 to 26, um, obviously, which will, I think, impact how this pitching staff is is handled workload wise but by that point you would hope a couple more starts deep guys like bassett and scherzer who are uh who have been workhorses throughout the majority of their careers um are going to be guys that you can get seven strong from on any given night uh even even mcgill as he kind of works his pitch count back up um and if he's legit now which still remains to be seen it's only been two starts and he has quite the test coming up on Monday when the Giants come into town. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. But he's also a guy, because he's so large, uh, I think could be a workhorse too, a guy you can expect six innings out of um, every time he goes out there. Um, We'll see. That's the pitching staff. It's been fantastic. Uh, The bullpen's been okay uh, this past week. Um, There was the implosion in the first game in – dc or excuse me philadelphia i keep doing that twice uh twice now i caught myself that time uh the implosion in in philadelphia in the first game there and then um the mini implosion against the diamondbacks in the middle game that they lost unfortunately both of those have something in common right uh being that the brunt of that was taken by seth lugo both times we can, I mean, the bullpen also wasn't great in the Scherzer start in the, the eight to five game um, yeah. in Philadelphia, but that was really just, that was Sean Reed Foley uh, who also didn't look great against the diamondbacks in the, in the opening game in that blowout on Friday. That's yeah. just, I think, well, Sean Reed Foley is probably going to be the guy who is first on the chopping block when the roster shrinks. You might even end up on the chopping block beforehand, just if you can't get the, if you can't do the basic mop-up work, they have um, Yohan Lopez and they have Adonis Medina. They could definitely just swap guys right now and DFA him. Um, yeah. Try and but, find someone else. Yeah. There's, there's Seth Lugo is, is the issue. Yes. Is it's, that... it's Lugo and it's probably also Joely Rodriguez to a degree. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not been great, but the issue with Joely is not so much 
that he's a bad pitcher. It's that he's a bad pitcher against 50% of the hitters in the league. Yes. And then yeah. he's a very good pitcher against the other 50%. He's a, a good loogie. Like he is going to be a guy who is going to get lefties out as long as he's wearing a Mets uniform, Mm -hmm. but he cannot get right-handed batters out, Yeah, which is a problem with the three batter rule. Yeah. And it's a problem with the Phillies, especially like we saw this twice, the two games that he appeared in, he he had a much harder time when that lefty rhythm was split. When you had to deal with the real Mudo before you had to pitch to a, a Schwarber or a Harper, when you had to pitch to a Castellanos, it's, it's something that really I don't blame Joelli for as much as I blame the organization for, for thinking that this was the kind of lefty that they needed. Like, really, this was the thing that they had to do because they hadn't signed someone in the offseason, right? They didn't sign a lefty who could work both lanes. They lost Aaron Loop. They lost out on Jake Diekman. They didn't sign Andrew Chafin. Um, they didn't make any real trades before the lockout they were put in a position where they had to give up castro and i mean now this is just sort of a, a growing pain that they're going to need to work through um because yeah joelli against righties is probably going to be its own issue but then again chasing shreve you want to talk about a lefty pitching to righties he's someone who's actually at least this week was pretty effective yeah um, jason could even shreve. Go multiple innings so jason shreve looks phenomenal yeah Jason Shreve looks really good uh, as a crossover guy. He threw two perfect innings today against the Diamondbacks, came in with a guy on third base and got out of a jam. Like, he looks good, like really good. Yeah. Uh, the splitter is a real weapon for him. Um, talk about a guy who is, who's coming in and replacing Aaron Loop as a kind of a shutdown crossover lefty. Uh, if it's either of the lefties on this staff, it's, it's been him so far. Yeah. Uh, he's been fantastic, uh, as has – a good chunk of this bullpen, Drew Smith, another strong outing today. He continues to work up the ladder uh, of in the circle of trust for Buck Walter. Edwin Diaz got out there today for the first time since Tuesday and looked good again um, in a 5 nothing game. Uh, Trevor May is back in pitching again and in, in through over the weekend against the Diamondbacks. I think that was, was at the Saturday game that he pitched. Yeah, in. he came uh, in after Lugo, yeah. After he had a, a triceps situation uh that that kind of came about in that first game in philadelphia um got the right city that time um which kind of preceded the lugo implosion in what had been a four nothing game uh so basically what it gets down to is that yeah joelli's an issue but the big question mark in this bullpen right now is said lugo uh, which is concerning yeah Yeah, I think that there were definitely moments last year where we probably were in a similar boat concerned that he didn't really have the stuff anymore. Um, I guess the the positive here would be that after he did give up the home run, he started to find the velocity with his fastball. Um, You just really, I mean, you just hope that it's not going to be a thing every time he comes out to pitch where the first five or six fastballs he throws are like 91, 92, like, if he's not 93, 94, at least, um, or, I mean, really he needs to be 94, 95, um, or else that curveball becomes easier to hit. Um, you got to have more than one good pitch to, to be a reliever who pitches in the eighth inning or later. Um, and right now he's got like, he has the curveball, but the fastball it's, it's, it's been an issue. Cause he, you know, he also isn't locating it and he needs yeah. to be able to locate right out the gate. He's not really commanding much of anything, no. even the breaking balls. The fact that the curveball and the slider, 
he hasn't been getting the fishes on uh and the changeup too i mean it's it's all not good for seth right now right which is a question of you know he was so consistent they were talking about this on the broadcast today mm-hmm. that he was so consistent when he broke out for the mets as a reliever for yeah. so long for multiple seasons he was so good in that bullpen role uh and then he started having those health issues the partially torn ucl that he was pitching through um, he had to get a little cleanup in his elbow and, and surgery right. with the bone chips. And kind of since he started having those health problems, there have been more inconsistencies for Seth. So right. you do wonder if partially it is physical, that it's, it's health related for Seth, um, that he's maybe still working up. Uh, maybe it takes a little longer into the season for him to get back to full strength uh, and maybe the, the shortened spring training hurt him in that regard uh but maybe this is just the guy that seth lugo is now uh and maybe he's just not the borderline elite reliever uh that he was for the better part of two or three seasons for the mets um, which is unfortunate but you know that is something that's more stomachable if they had signed a guy like colin McHugh. Uh, who's capable of getting high leverage outs Mm -hmm. uh but right now they kind of really need him to be a better reliever uh, yeah. that he needs to be a more trustworthy guy. He needs to be more like the Seth Lugo that we're used to and less like this guy who's serving up home runs on 92 mile an hour fastballs in the middle of the strike zone, literally down the middle. Couldn't get more center cut than that pitch to Sergio Alcantara. Yeah. Of all people. Yeah. Literally Sergio Alcantara. Um, Sergio Alcantara, who I was perusing the, the betting lines for that game on Saturday and there's a little one of the widgets is like, you know, you could put a bet on someone to hit a home run. Yeah. He had the highest, like the worst odds out of any hitter in that game. I think that was listed on that widget. It was like plus three, like plus 30,000. It was like 10 bucks to win a thousand or something, whatever it was. And then he wound up hitting a home run. So if you put a bet on him, congratulations. But uh, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. No, it's not. I don't think it's we not, can say that. It's not. Actually, are we going to have to cut that out? No, I think we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, no, not an was, ad, not an ad. Not, not, no. It, uh, yeah, I mean, really, it will, it, for me at least, as someone who's watched Lugo for a while now, as most of us have, it kind of makes you, like, work back through all the instances in which he was dealing with injuries. And for me at least, like, it, it just kind of bothers me that, like, we were so adamant about, when I say we, I mean past ownership, um was so invested in like trying to make him a starter in the middle of 2020 like this is probably at least from my vantage point where it all began as far as the elbow problems that followed him into last year because really in the middle of a COVID season where no one really at any time between March and July to ramp up or prepare at all for the team to just turn him into a starter when they did I thought that was really irresponsible and I mean Again, it's 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 sort of I don't think it's that harebrained, but I also think it's something that not a lot of people talk about. Lugo obviously never discusses it. But for me, at least, it seems like that would be something extremely conducive to what has, what we have seen the last two years, which is someone who needs a lot of time to get ready, who needs a lot of time to get settled once he's in the game and is not really a guarantee to throw as hard as he used to anymore. I mean, I remember Lugo being a guy who could touch 100 at one point. I mean, 
there were points in which he would elevate that fastball enough and you would get 99 100 mile per hour readings and now it's it's not that anymore and I mean if the Mets really had known even this offseason that this was not the guy that they were going to get it makes trading Miguel Castro and as you said not signing Colin McHugh like that much more confusing um I don't know that's sort of my my own spiel on the guy because I I really want to see him do well but I also think the this is another instance in which I think the organization has probably just misread the inputs and and I mean you look at the guys that they have coming through the door there really aren't any Seth Lugos coming through the door just yet um, there's no one else that they can call up they're not a team like the Brewers who can find an Andy Ashby or a or or sorry Aaron Ashby or a remembering guys uh uh Jay Cousins, right? Like they can't just, we don't really have that. We have Colin Holderman. We have Eric Orsi. Are they going to be that good? I mean, I don't know. I mean, hopefully. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that Orsi is going to be something interesting. He had a great outing in Syracuse this weekend. It's going to be a process though. Yeah. I mean, look at how long it's taken them to get Drew Smith to be like a high leverage guy. I mean, that took them four years and an, and a major injury to do um, multiple injuries. Yeah. I mean, multiple it, injuries. Every time it feels like Drew Smith is working his way to being a legit back end guy, he gets hurt. Um, I think he's that guy now at least, which is good. But I mean, my point, my bigger point is just that it takes a while to find for this organization to find guys like that. So they need yeah. to, you know, if, if they're not going to get Lugo this year, they got to trade for someone or, make something happen and tie it down sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I think it's still a little too early to make the distinction about if Seth Lugo is, you know, cooked or not, he probably isn't cooked. Um, He might be more of a middle innings guy than a back end guy. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's too early to make trades. It's too early for all that. You got to hope that he, he makes adjustments and he improves and he he gets a little stronger throughout the season and um, he can be more trustworthy. It is early, but yeah, he hasn't looked good, uh, and that's an issue for this team because um, the bullpen has proven to be a vague weakness considering that the rest of the team has looked pretty good. Uh, bullpen definitely the aspect that has looked the least good. Uh, yeah, yeah. and, and then also, we can... Right, it's also hard to tell because these are not... I mean, the Nationals and Diamondbacks are not teams that the Mets are going to be playing very often. I guess the Nationals are, but like in the in the context of teams that look like triple a baseball teams you're not going to see many of them very often so it will be interesting to see how this team does against you know when they're tested by the giants um when yeah, they're tested and they go to st louis right like tough stretch coming up to the yeah. next three seat two of the next three series are against pretty good baseball teams the giants led baseball and wins last year um and have had a similar start to this season as the mets in terms of pitching Right. Um, they are also off to a great start with their starting rotation. Then you head out to Arizona and get mm-hmm. to see these Diamondbacks for another weekend series. And then you head to St. Louis and you face Cardinals team, which has proven to be uh, pretty pesky yeah. um, and pretty good as well. Robert so Pujols. yeah, hit another Homer today. He's got 19 to go uh, to get That's going to be fun to watch by the way. Yeah. Just we'll see if he can gets there. it like, 700 i don't i don't know if we're ever going to see another dude hit 700 at least not before soto like trout keeps getting hurt i don't know if it's going to be him but uh it will be fun though when the giants come in to see that rotation go against this offense right now it'd be better if we had nimmo and canna 
Yeah. Um, they They're are not much here, better. And they will not be here until Monday. And I think that has already kind of impacted their offense. I mean, we saw it against pretty substandard pitching, but it also does create a lane for Dom Smith and JD Davis to otherwise get their at bats. And, the, you know, it's put up or shut up for them. A lot of guys at least are putting up right now, which is the good thing between McNeil. Lindor, Alonzo, Starling Marte, you mentioned had a really good series. Um, hopefully those four keep up. I think that that would be really cool and really good if those four kept hitting. Um, yeah. Eduardo Escobar has been hitting too. Really for me, like the only guys who aren't really pulling their weight are guys who don't have, I think, guaranteed everyday jobs in this lineup, right? I mean, Robinson Cano has not been doing it for me. Dom Smith looks pretty... Uh, off kilter so far jd davis has had some good at bats but also some very bad ones james mccann uh i don't really think is this team starting catcher anymore it seems like they're very uh again maybe this changes when the the spring training rust wears off and people are really ramped up and ready to go but right now they seem to be uh playing him on and off with tomas nito which is probably a good thing because mccann is not OPSing very highly. Right yeah, now. he's like two for 17 to start the year. Yeah, got a hit today. But yeah, it's yeah. it's the guys who are here and are going to be playing every day have all been doing a pretty good job, which you do like to see. Yeah, it, the offense has been good. I think my primary concern through the first two series was the power output because yeah. they weren't really hitting for much power. Um I think like Lindor had a homer, Alonzo had the grand slam. Uh, there really wasn't, I mean, Nimmo hit a couple of homers in Philly, which was yeah. nice, but they really weren't hitting the ball out of the ballpark all that much. And then uh, they came home yeah. and they did hit for power this weekend. Marte hit a couple homers over the series. Lindor had two homers on Friday. Uh, Robinson Cano hit a opposite field homer. That was wild. Um, and then Alonzo uh, smashed one today. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that I'm a little more comfortable with the power output. I still want to see them hit more close to like league average home run rates because it seems like every every other team is just going yard all the time, and this team is not. Uh, but maybe wait, that's yeah, that could be just Eduardo bias. Escobar get hot. Eduardo Escobar will get hot. He'll be the next dude. It'll be a little, it'll be like a carousel kind of thing. Yeah, I hope so. Hopefully. Um, they're going to need to hit for some power against this Giants team because I'm not so sure how this series is going to go offensively with two of their best guys out uh, and the Giants pitching so hot. Obviously, uh, we should probably clarify, in case you have been under a rock since Friday, the why Brandon Nimmo and Mark Canna are out at least another week, uh, which is because – as the team was getting ready to, to, to start the home opener festivities on Friday and as uh, they were unveiling the beautiful Tom Seaver statue out in front of City Field, uh, we were dealing with the news of a COVID outbreak in the clubhouse. Glenn Sherlock, the Mets bench coach, um, has been out this weekend. And both Brandon Nimmo and Mark Hanna are on the COVID IL um, and are tested positive for yes coronavirus which is is fine there's some conflicting information about brandon nimmo's vaccination status uh it's not really worth getting into uh but we do know that mark canna 
as his wife went on record and said publicly after he tested positive that um, Mark is fully vaccinated and boosted. Um, and the report at the time was that they were both asymptomatic. Obviously, that can change over the course of the virus. Um, when I had it, I started out pretty asymptomatic and then had a couple of days worth of symptoms and then it uh, left me. So it, the way it goes for everyone is different. Basically, the Mets are without these guys until they can produce uh two negative PCR tests or vaccinated players can return after 10 days period. Um, but Nimmo, if he is unvaccinated would have to produce two negative tests before he can come back. So it's a big blow for the offense because both Nimmo was getting on base at a remarkably high clip. He was OPSing over 1100 uh, and Canna uh, cooled down a little bit towards the end of the Philadelphia series, but he was something crazy like eight for his first 11 yeah. as a Met. So certainly are missed, uh, especially the team that was struggling to score some runs against a pretty bad Diamondbacks team on Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, Only the two runs on the Marte homer on Saturday, and then they were held off the board uh, until the sixth today by Umberto Castellanos of all people. Yeah. Yeah. Dude threw like one pitch over 90 miles per hour. And like the one secondary pitch was this like fluttering curveball. Like it, I mean, I don't know. The wind was knocking things down a lot. Sure. They were also popping the ball up a lot, which you don't want to see. Um, that's got, I mean, I really, really like want to stay optimistic. It's too early in the season for me to say something like they're going to get no hit, but when Carlos Rodon and Logan Webb come to city field, if this team hits the way they did the first six innings today, it's going to be brutal. Um, it's not going to be fun to watch. These are going to be night games. You're going to be up till 11 PM wondering why these guys can't do it. Um, I think McNeil, I I've really, really been encouraged by Jeff McNeil, especially out of the leadoff spot. Like, I don't think all is lost. Oh Jeff yeah. Jeff, here. Jeff looks like Jeff again, which is Jeff great. does look like Jeff again. Um, which makes losing Nemo that much, I think easier to stomach because you still have someone who can come in out of the leadoff spot and do something. Um, But this is also going to be a very good pitching staff. So if Jeff doesn't look like Jeff this week, uh, we're going to have more questions that will need answering. I really, yeah. I mean, really don't want to go through what happened last year again, especially not with him. Yeah. Um, The, uh, the first five guys in this lineup with Nimmo and Canna out looks pretty formidable with uh, McNeil, Lindor, Marte, uh, Alonzo, and Escobar in any given order. Look, they look good. It's a good offensive unit. Um, I was not sold on the Escobar signing, but he's been fun. I like watching Eduardo Escobar play baseball. Um, he's been that a nice addition. That was cool. That yeah. was really fun. He's not, been a, not the way it was drawn up. but it was A cool. little Little League triple that he had. It's been a nice addition to this lineup. As was Mark Cannon before he hit the injured list, even though he was really just hitting singles. Um, and now that Marte is starting to hit for power, we're really starting to get the entire Starling Marte experience of the power plus the speed. He's already stolen a few bases yeah. um, and being a real nice threat uh, in that two or three hole, wherever you want to hit him. And then Francisco Lindor just looks much more confident and comfortable in his own skin this year. Yeah. Uh, and he's performing like the guy we expected him to be. 
Yeah. It's the Beltron Revenge Tour, dude. It's it's the first year of Beltron. Uh, moving into the second year of Beltron, we're getting it again. Uh, yeah. It's it's fun to see. Uh, I mean, hopefully this continues. I think if the power surge is is as real as it's been so far, that's going to be really exciting. But he's yeah. putting up better at bats. Um, there were a lot of pop ups and a lot of ground outs to second the first two months of the year last year, which I mean, I actually went back through BREF to look at the game logs and it was and realized that he was like batting below the Mendoza line those first two months. Like it was really, really a lack of output. Um, and that team remained above water even then. Like if he's a guy this, this, you know, these next two months and hopefully the entire year, that's going to, that's absolutely going to go a long way for them. Um, and hopefully we get it. I think that, it took Everyone until, wants to see that out of him. So. It, it took until like late May for him to log his third home run of the year last year, and he's yeah. already got it. Um, he had it on, on the first home game of the season. He had his third home run. He also had his second home run in the same game. That's really cool. I love when he goes yard from both sides of the plate uh, in yeah. a game. That's He's done it like four times in his career, which seems like a lot. Like It seems he like that's spring training a difficult thing to do in one game. Yeah, he did it in spring training this year and then yeah. did it in the first home game this year. He's I love him. I think he's fantastic. I, I now that he's hitting and when the fan base, the irksomeness of the fan base around him and his contract, which you were starting to get, um has quieted yeah. because he's been a very good baseball player so far this year. An OPS over a thousand, the defense still gold glove level. I am hearing Francisco Lindor MVP candidate potentially yeah. and they need someone like that on this team all the best teams have the guy um and i think that he needs to be the guy yeah. is that if he's gonna if this team is gonna make a run this year pete alonzo can be the guy who hit, hits 40 homers um jeff mcneil is the, can be the guy who hits 320 um starling Marte is the guy who kind of does a little bit of everything and steals a lot of bases and has that an ops around 820, 830, wherever he usually sits. Francisco Lindor has got to be the guy who you just want up at the plate uh, in a big spot, which is exactly how it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really. It's in, I mean, we're going to see how this all translates against a good team. I mean, that's what I'm most excited for. Because if these guys have a good series against the Giants, and I don't have any reason to believe it's going to go in that direction. uh, But like, if they did, that would be huge. It would, it would definitely, I think, change the narrative to this point, which has just been that they're, they're managing to win against not very good teams. Mind you, they have the best run differential in all baseball right now. Um, They're at like a plus 26 and I don't think anyone else is above a 15. Like they, they really only like lost one game this year because they played badly enough to lose. Um, Maybe two because right. Cause Pete Alonso probably played badly enough to cost them. I mean, I don't know. It's it's the best record in the league. It's 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 good to see. It's also how 2018 started. Um, it's also 2015 started. So there are there are a lot of different directions this can go in, um, and a lot of time. They say it, you know, and it's always true. As as annoying as it is, but it is a long season. So yeah, we'll but see. it's it's nice to get off to a hot start so that you can yeah. kind of when the team is not playing as well, you can kind of sit back and rest on those yeah. early season wins a little bit. They all count. Listen, this is a team that could be nine and one right now. Right. Um, 
but they're seven and three and we'll still take that. They're a first place baseball team. And this four game set against the giants is going to be a real test. And I'm, I'm intrigued by it. We'll see how it goes. It could go poorly. They could lose three out of four. They can get swept. Uh, And then you're back at 500. I don't want to put that out in the universe. I'm knocking on wood right now, but if they come away with a couple of wins in this series, a couple of convincing wins in this series, if they win three out of four, maybe, uh, then I think I'll be pretty certain that this team is a good baseball team. Yeah. Three out of four would be huge. Three out of four would be like a, just a decisive um, It'd be know, a takedown of good pitching. It would be a coup yeah. if they took three out of four from this Giants team, which is on paper, not a great baseball team, but a team that has been a great baseball team through the last season plus now. Right. Um, and we'll see they, how that goes. They actually have the best record in baseball. I don't know why I made the mistake of put tabbing us, but they're seven and two and we're seven and three. So they have one fewer loss than, than we do, but I mean, prime matchup, you know, should be cool. Uh, right. Do they, have they played yet today? Uh, yeah, they won. They beat the guardians eight to one. So that's, I guess maybe that happened like while we were recording, but um yeah, Alex Wood. Alex Wood kept the the Guardians off the board. Um, good stuff. I mean, that whole rotation—it's ridiculous what they're capable of making with like Alex Wood and Alex Cobb. You know, just yeah. Well, they've uh, they've played the Marlins and Padres and now Guardians, so they also haven't really fared. You know, have to, had to face any world beaters yet. Right. Um, depending on how you feel about the Padres, but. They, they won two out of three against the Padres. So um, the Marlins are not that good. The Guardians are not that good. So uh, kind of the same vibe with the Mets is that they've really only faced one decent team so far with the Mets and the Phillies and the, the Giants and the Padres. Um, and this will be, I think, for both teams, the first potential real test against. Padres, yeah, the Padres are kind of the Phillies of their division, aren't they? Yeah, think I think that it? tracks. I think the offenses are kind of night and day, but I think that the the vibe is very much the same. Like they should be better than they are, but they're yeah. just I, they're just mediocre. It, well, because they're pitching, they get good pitchers, and they don't know what to do with them. They just don't know how to make their pitchers good. Like Joe Musgrove is like their one claim to fame here. Like they haven't made Blake Snell work. They haven't made you Darvish work. Um, well, Darvish got off to such an incredible start with them. Yeah. And then fell off right around the time that the whole goop thing happened last year. Uh, and now is not that good anymore. I mean, yeah, same with Snell. Snell hasn't really been good out there. Like Musgrove's, they turned Musgrove from a four to a two. Right. Well, uh, they did that also. I think leaving the Pirates will make that like. Yeah, that'll happen. Fairly anyway. easy. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and they, the, I mean, Mackenzie Gore's a big leaguer now, uh, probably a year later than anyone thought he would be. Mm-hmm. Um, because he just got he had the yips last year. Yeah. Um, but now he's throwing like this. Do you see this? That in his first start, he was throwing like 80% fastballs or above that. He was throwing like just fastballs. Yeah. And he was, I mean, he he pitched pretty well, no. Uh he played uh did he win that start? He played I'm the taking a look. I'm going back through this. Yeah, I know that like he's generally been a lot more convincing. Uh let's see, five and a thirds. Okay, this is like fine. Three hits, two earned runs, two walks, one homer, three strikeouts. Um, I mean, he was really at one point last year, like it looked like he was no longer going to be 
like even a top 100 prospect like yeah he was a guy that was like in danger of just completely flaming out yeah i mean we'll see it i do think though that that i i am proud of that comp i think teams have very similar energies right like i think we have probably a similar aura to a team like maybe the angels right now i was thinking more seattle I think Seattle's going in a different direction, though. Like the Seattle's worked very, very, I think, intently with um, like metrics and with That's the dollars true. per F four stuff. That's and we're true, a little I bit think. more in the camp of pay good player, hope he continues to be good player. That but right works. now it's working. That works. I just think we're a better team than the Angels. Yeah, well, yeah, I think so too. It's it's we're fortunate to be better than the Angels, but yeah, we we're are. not we're not intentionally walking guys with the bases loaded um in weird situations that don't call for it that was so odd that was odd i guess yeah like Corey the joe madden hire and the buck show alter hires have similar intentions behind them i think Corey seeker's yeah. a good player but he's not very bonds you know well you just don't do that when you're losing already yeah like, to and keep they, the bases loaded it didn't work they gave up two more runs after that they did win the game so I yeah because they came back in like the next inning and scored five because Shohei otani hit two homers in that game yeah, I don't know. That's that seems to be their strategy too. It's just to ride the the three generational players that they have, or I guess two, and I guess really now one. But um, yeah, Trout got hurt today, didn't he? Yeah, he did get hurt. Um, but between those two and Rendon, like it should work. And I think the Mets have a similar thing where they put a lot of faith in Degrom, they put a lot of faith in Lindor, and now the third guy would be Scherzer. But I also think that like. The, the surrounding cast is a lot more promising than what like David. Yeah. Fletcher the angels and, are giving meaningful at bats to Taylor Ward and Tyler Wade, which yeah. kudos to the, whoever covers the angels because having to keep those two straight is tough. Taylor Ward, Tyler Wade, Tyler Wade's savant page is, is bussing dude. Is Have it really? It? Is he hitting now? Tyler Wade's stat cast is like, I'm hoping I'm not falling for a meme here, but it's, he's, Oh, I, I, okay. I did fall for a meme. Yeah. Oh, whiff rate no. is 94th percentile. Everything else is sub is like sub 40. Oh, this is a bad savant page, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. I got average doomed. exit velo. Angels First Twitter stays undefeated, man. His average exit velo barrel percentage, walk percentage, and hard hit rate are all in the first percentile. I did, listen, but he's some fast people would he say that first is, that's like first, it's like first place, you know? He's first place in walk percentage. Yeah. It this is just my reading walking, of it. Actually means he's walking at the lowest rate in baseball. Yeah. Uh, if it's low, well, all right. I'm going to have to do my, I'm going to have to do my. Yeah. Risk. If I'm it's, if, if it's blue, it means it's bad. Basically. It way it. I, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Which is why his whiff rate at 94th percentile actually means that he's just not swinging and missing. Well, that's good. Yeah, and he's and also listen, real fast. Yeah, he's number and all these ones I just see number one. That's that's my thing. Tyler oh, Wade. Yeah. Okay, well, the sixth one. percentile outs above average is also fun. I anyway, didn't expect yeah. us to go into a deep dive on Tyler Wade. Yeah, sorry, it's because I am terrible at like tracking Angels Twitter jokes. But yeah, maybe we should just remember some guys. I'm down for that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's I'm down do that. for that. How why don't yeah. we give a shout out today to Oliver Perez? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, think I, think, I think I think that's fair. He pitched today for the Diamondbacks. He's 40. 
He's in his last major league season. He said uh, he's 20th, um, a guy who I love how they talk about him on the broadcast. Yeah. Just, uh, he had such a, a poor exit as a Met. Uh, and then for him to come back and kind of have this reverence around him every time that he, he plays the Mets as, as in, in his second career as a, as a left-handed reliever, I just have the utmost respect for what he did in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, came up as this dominant, young, fiery left-handed starter yeah. uh, for the Padres, Pirates, and Mets. Um, through the pitch that resulted in maybe the, the most famous defensive play in, in postseason history, yeah. the Andy Chavez catch, uh, was instrumental to that team down the stretch. Um, that trade also doesn't get made if Juan Sanchez doesn't get in that car accident. Thank you, Dwayner. Uh, and if the, the starting rotation stayed healthy that year, but he was instrumental to the success of that team down the stretch and getting them to where they needed to be. And he was great in the postseason. Uh, and then he very much flamed out in the back half of his Mets career and then came back as a really, really good left-handed reliever for a decade. Yeah. Yeah. He had good, he had good stints across like a number of teams. I definitely remember him growing up as like, Cause there was a point, I think when they traded for him, he had basically been like a young, hard throwing pitcher that the pirates couldn't really seem to get right. Um, and the Padres had, had sort of given up on, but really like there was still potential with him. And he like ended up on that postseason roster because El Duque got hurt. Like he wasn't, he and John Maine basically became mainstays in the rotation for the following two years because of how like injury prone everybody else in that pitching staff was. Yeah. And then when Ollie, they, like the ERA numbers throughout his yeah. entire career as a starter with the exception of 2004 with the pirates, um, which is the season I believe. Yeah. Which is the season, which was his best season as a starter yeah. he struck out 239 batters and put up a 298 ERA. The ERAs are, are really kind of bad outside of that. It was um, a walk thing. It was a walk thing. He he was not good in the regular season for the 06 Mets. He made seven starts down the stretch. He had a 638 ERA in 36 and two-thirds innings. Turn around and put together a nice 15-win campaign in 2007 for the Mets, um, where he had an ERA in the mid-threes. But, yeah, the walks were always an issue. In 2008, he led the National League walks um, and had an ERA at 4.22. And then it was all downhill from there. He was bad in 2009. He was terrible in 2010. Um, and then resurfaced in 2012 with the Mariners as a reliever with an ERA in the low twos. Yeah, uh, they'll definitely make a dork town about like one of those docu series things about him. I don't know if you've seen the Dave Steve one because it's he great. Deserves it. But his yeah, lasting, his last, my lasting memory for him as a Met is unfortunately the last game he ever pitched for the Mets. That was a bad that game. Last, that last game of the 2010 season, which was yeah. just dreadful, um, in which they were just ha- let him out to dry against the Nationals. Yeah. Well, they uh, rested him like the whole month. They basically refused to pitch him. And on the yeah, last game of the dead, year, dead man on the roster with expanded, like expanded rosters, they'd exhausted every single pitcher on this roster. So they had to go to him. And he like, I think he like walked the bases loaded and then he couldn't throw dude. a strike. Yeah. Could not throw a strike. But I, I mean, really, it's, it's great that he's still around the last surviving uh, guy from that 06 Mets team. Yeah. It's a good guy to remember. Jeez. He deserves it. This is uh, one of the last times we're ever going to get to see him pitch. Um, and he deserves it. Yeah, I think so. It's it's a shame that he ended up kind of, at least today, being surrounded by that that whole circus with the 
um, you know, I mean, he did choose to play for the Diamondbacks, so it's yeah. you win some, you lose some. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to be remembering because we're on the subject briefly of the 2018 Mets, uh, and in thinking a little bit just about the guys that uh, that we saw come and go that year, I've probably remembered like half of their roster to this point, and we've been doing this a long time. But I don't think either of us has ever really taken a second to appreciate PJ Conlon uh, <laughs> because Good call. he was like really he was just the last line of defense that they had in their pitching depth when they called him up. Like they didn't really have, I think anyone else, because at this point, like Harvey was gone. Um, Vargas, Vargas was pretty bad. Um, Wheeler had, I think Syndergaard was hurt. So they really were squeezed and uh, they found him. Uh, well, they didn't find him. He'd been in the organization, but they called him up, gave him a spot start against the Reds and, uh, he was pretty cool. He's one of the only players to come out of the United Kingdom, which is pretty cool. I think he's from Belfast, uh, Northern Ireland. So, well, he, uh, yeah, he, uh, he was born there, but he did grow up in America. He has, yeah, he does not have the accent. Um, yeah, unfortunately, he, does not. So that was a that was cool. I do remember him. He was just like, like five nine through yeah. eighty seven. He threw 87. He was a lefty, but you know, he got away with, so he got away with throwing that slowly, but he, uh, I, yeah, I just remember like there had been this very like mild, uh, cult of, uh, fame around him because of what he had done in the minor leagues up to that point. Cause he had some really good seasons. Did you know that in, um, you want to guess what his ERA was in like 2016, it was like remarkably teams. low, right? It was really low. It was 142 innings. It was. You, so do you do you want to guess? Uh, I'm gonna let you just tell me. It was 165, which is very good. Very very good. Like people thought he was gonna. I think I don't think like prospect writers like I don't think people who actually do this for a living thought he was gonna be very good. But I know like just as a fan, like I wanted to see how that was gonna look and. It didn't look very good. His 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 he never played anywhere after um after 2018. It was that one year at the Mets. Bounced around with a couple organizations. It's important, I think, if we're talking about PJ Conlon to mention yes. my favorite thing about PJ Conlon. Is it the Dodgers thing? It's the Dodgers thing. Do the Dodgers thing. Yeah. It's the Dodgers thing. Is that the Mets DFA'd him right in June of 2018, after the spot starts, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers claimed him. He sent out a tweet in which he said, and I quote, because the Mets had drafted him in 2015. So the only organization that he had ever known. He said, and this is the quote of the tweet, a huge thanks to the Mets organization for everything over the past few years, especially the opportunity to fulfill my lifelong dream of playing in the major leagues. I'm excited for this next chapter with the Mets and can't wait to get started. I don't even think he suited up for the Dodgers. Uh, they sent him to AAA. He might have played in AAA for maybe a week. Then the Dodgers had a roster crunch. He got DFA'd again. What happens? The Mets claim him, and he comes back home to the Mets. And on June 2nd, he tweets a screenshot of that original tweet thanking the Mets with a few changes. 
yeah. of red lettering scratched out some words <laughs> and some changes uh above them he said a huge thanks to the Mets scratched out Dodgers organization for everything over the past few days, especially the opportunity to fulfill my lifelong dream of playing in Oklahoma city. I'm excited for this next chapter with the Mets. Can't wait to get started instead of with the Dodgers. Uh, it's still his pin tweet on his account. It's hysterical. Yeah, it's a good one. He was funny. He's still, I think kicks around Twitter sometimes dude was a good sport about it. Yeah. Uh, he is retired as of now, but um, his uh, his uh, the tw- uh, the picture in his profile, the banner picture, uh, is his grandmother. Who this was also a fun part of it. Yeah, uh, who held up a picture, uh, like was praying during his start in Cincinnati. Like she was holding up, like I believe it's a picture of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't know. I gotta I gotta find that. It's hard to. It's I'm on like his Twitter account. Up. Well, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll definitely take a look. That might end up being our title card. I think that'd be good. Because then okay. people will know that we end up talking about PJ Conlon, which is... Give him a shout-out on Twitter. Maybe uh, maybe he'd enjoy it. We could get him on here, even. I think that'd be fun. We probably could. He's probably online enough that he would be down for that. He uh, he uh, he posted recently on April 7th a photo of him and uh, Tyler McGill from 2015. Oh, my God, Tyler looks skinny. Yeah. Tyler was eat. Tyler been eating, dude. He's huge now. So, yeah, that's I think a pretty good place to put a pin in it. PJ Conlon, shout out to okay. the two thousand or twenty four. Excuse me, the uh, I'm trying. <laughs> it's a big number. Twenty one six four six is his place in Major League history. Yes, we're we're just pretty. We're just looking at his Twitter now. Yeah, the twenty one thousand six hundred forty sixth player to play major league baseball fun dude yeah. yeah all right giant series coming up for the mets in new york then they head out to arizona we'll recap it all next week uh but for this week this was episode 77 of the pleasant good evening podcast the mets are seven and three that's cool he's jack mm-hmm. hendon i'm sam lebowitz mets fans have a pleasant good evening Thank you.